when me and Chris were like, just kind of like brainstorming what we wanted to do. Like we both love pancakes. We both love cafes. And we just wanted to pretty much combine like North America and Australia into one. And what better way to do that was to create like this diner vibe that we have. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. It's something we've talked about a lot on Deep in the Weeds, but the rich tapestry that is Australia's culinary landscape is a direct result of migration. Apart from our Indigenous community, everyone, somewhere along the line, over many generations of their family, came from another shore to take a chance on the lucky country. It's created an incredible food culture and created amazing opportunity for many to bring the vibrancy of their original homeland to their new home, Australia. Jesse Orleans is the chef and co-owner of Happy Field in Sydney's Haberfield. Jesse, how are you going? I'm going all right. You, how are you doing? I'm good. It's good to uh, catch up with you. You've uh, created a venue that's incredibly popular, even though it's still in its infancy. Um, what's, it, what's it been like creating a venue over the last sort of crazy period of time? Man, it's been it's been very, very strange, very, very crazy and rewarding all at the same time. It's just basically we got the keys right when COVID hit and uh, we just had no choice but to try our best and make it work and hope for the best. And luckily so far, we've been we've been going all right. Getting the keys just before everything happened with the lockdown and and what has ensued, did that have an impact on the offering that you had originally thought of? Mm, It's very interesting because I think, well, for me and Chris, which is my business partner and co-owner at Happy Field, we, uh, we had this idea of how we wanted to do the venue. And then once COVID hit, we realized that, listen, we're going to have a lot more time on our hands. We can actually sit down and plan this properly now. And we don't even need, like, we won't need a design or anything like that because we can just do everything ourselves. So it kind of made everything better in a sense. So so I almost feel like COVID was a blessing in disguise for me and Chris. When you say uh, do everything yourselves, can you tell us about the fit out and, and what it looks like and, and what you were able to do because of the circumstances? Well, basically, we just had this empty shell, I guess you could say, on the corner of Ramsey and Dahazi Street in uh, Haberfield. And it used to be, uh, it was like an Italian restaurant for 20 years, Dolcissimo's. And then and then before that, it was owned by a gentleman named John Lanzafame, which is actually one of our regulars now. He comes in all the time. So he just tells us stories about what it used to be and how it did. Apparently, like, he's the one that put the kitchen in there and he built the floor and he put in the toilets and he did all this. It's fun. It's funny chopping it up with him and him telling us his story. But uh, basically, yeah, it was just me and Chris. Uh, I guess day one, we went in there started like mapping out what we want to do where we want to put things and then uh we just we had so basically we always had a vision for what we wanted to look like we wanted to be like a diner kind of vibe so once we seen the actual building like it looked perfect like it looks like from the outside you can tell like it's got this vintage feel to it it's got the tiles big windows big openings and it just looked perfect for what we wanted to do we just had to figure out a way to make it look good and for people to actually think that it looked good. And uh, we just, yeah, so we had mood boards. We had like a whole bit from different cafes and different places that we love. 
and we just tried to put everything together to create what it is now, Happy Field. Well, tell us a bit about what it what it is now. You mentioned the idea of a diner, and Australia isn't blessed with a lot of diners. It's not in our culture as much as we'd love it to be. Um, tell, tell us about what it's been like creating Happy Field. Uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. Like, basically... I grew up as a kid, like in Toronto. And for me, like my favorite thing in the whole world is pancakes and breakfast. I just love it. Like, I remember like my earliest memories of ever cooking food for anybody. It was my cousins or my family would come over and like all the parents would be gone. And it was just me and us. And I would like, I would either make them like scrambled eggs or I would buy like the frozen waffles and then make the waffles for them. And they will put like the eggs on the waffles, put the syrup. And I just used to feed all my cousins. And uh, see, I've always loved breakfast. I've always loved pancakes. Like I always tell people, like if I was ever on death row and like my last meal, one of the last meals, 100% be pancakes. Cause <laughs> I love them. I love them. I love them so much. So when me and Chris were like, just kind of like brainstorming what we wanted to do, like we both love pancakes. We both love cafes. And we just wanted to pretty much combine like North America and Australia into one because Chris is Australian and I'm obviously North American and what better way to do that was to create like this diner vibe that we have so we have like basically banquet brown banquet seating like along like the back walls all of the tables that have like that silver aluminium lining like you see in like those vintage movies like Pulp Fiction that we have that we decided to paint yellow and it's funny because when we told people that we wanted to paint it yellow everybody thought we were crazy and they said they said don't do it it's not gonna look good it's gonna be too much it's not gonna work but me and Chris just decided like this is what we want to do this is what we're gonna do and we did it and now it's it's almost iconic when you step into the venue and you see that yellow ceiling you're like oh yeah we're we're in happy field now like this is it we're here so it kind of it kind of worked out properly for us. You mentioned that you're from uh, North America, you, uh, from Toronto in Canada, actually. T- tell us about uh, Toronto and food, and and what drew your interest to a career in food. Mm, well, I guess Toronto for me, it's I guess most people say it's like the mini New York. Like if you go there, like. It looks pretty much exactly like New York. If they ever film any movies or any boys in Toronto, but they there. And uh, the food culture is cool because it's very, it's very uh, multicultural. Like growing up, like I went to school with people from all different kinds of nationalities. I grew up eating like what their parents made and they'll come over to my house and they'll eat like what my parents made. So my mother is West Indian. She was born in Guyana which is in the West Indies and my father is African. So like I had a mix of that at home and then like I had friends from India, friends from South America. So it was just, it was a big melting pot. So the culture is very, very diverse in Toronto, which is cool. You get to try everything. Tell us about those meals as a kid with the West Indian influence and the African influence. Is there some fond memories of, of Epic Feast from your childhood? Oh, very very epic feast but it's funny so basically from monday to friday every day i would see my dad cooking dinner for all of us and my mom only occasions and some saturday mornings so i guess me as a kid growing up i just felt like it was my responsibility to learn how to cook for my family 
and it was uh, pretty interesting. So yeah, like usually my dad would cook or like his family would come over and they would have big feasts and like African people eat like a bit different. So they eat all their food with their hands and it's always like big flavors and lots of chili and and it was it was cool. It was it was very good. It was very good. I have fond memories of that. About a decade ago, you decided to come over to Australia. What, what drew you to Australia? Oh, so it's interesting. But basically, I um, I was working at a place in Toronto called uh, Marbin. And at the time, we were like the number one restaurant in Toronto. And the head chef had actually won like uh, it was a show called Top Chef Canada. He won that. And then it just the restaurant just blew up and we went crazy. Anyway, the sous chef was a very good friend of mine and he had moved to Melbourne with his then wife because she was Australian and she wanted to come back to Australia. So they moved to Melbourne and I was at home and uh, it was an interesting time in my life because like I really knew that I wanted to cook, but there was other circumstances in my life that was kind of holding me back from it in the sense like I didn't really grow up in like the best area or like my friends and people that I grew up with weren't always like I wouldn't I would say like they weren't model citizens so to speak and yeah like to be honest like we grew up hard and so like there was like a lot of nonsense and and bullshit going around and he just called me out the blue and said listen I know some stuff is going on with you at home and if you want you can come to Melbourne and you can stay with me and I'll give you a job at this cafe that I'm working at and if you don't like it you can just go back home. So I was like, hmm, this is interesting. So I told my mom, I said, Mom, listen, Mish called, he wants me to go to Australia. She goes, Oh, that's beautiful. Go to Australia. You'll love it. So then literally two days later I bought a plane ticket. To yeah, it, it was a, it was just like because I, I figured what do I have to lose? If I don't like it, I'll just go back home. So yeah, two days later, I buy the plane ticket. Now I tell my mom, I say, okay, mom, like I bought the ticket. I'm going to Australia on this date. She goes, what do you mean you're going to Australia? I go, we just, ha we had this conversation. You said that I would love it. You said I should go. And she goes, oh, I didn't think you were serious. I can't believe you're actually going. You're going to leave me. What's wrong with you? It was big drama. It was big drama. But anyway, I ended up moving. I moved to Melbourne. I was working at a place, uh, I lived in Footscray, so, and I worked at a place in Footscray, it was called The Milking Station. It was a pretty cool cafe, to be honest. It was on the corner, right near the train station, and it pumped. It was very busy, there was only three of us in the kitchen, so, and one of them was a kitchen hand, and we used to do like 200 covers a day, and it pumped. And that was like the first time I ever learned about Australian culture and cafes and all of that kind of stuff. Because prior to that, I was a restaurant guy. I always worked nights. I never worked mornings. So it was pretty cool. It was a good experience for me. Did you know anything about Australian cuisine before you came here? And was it a shock when you arrived? I knew nothing. To be honest, I was so ignorant. Like, I, I remember telling my friends, like, I'm going to Australia. And they'd just be like, what are you going to do? You're going to hang out with kangaroos? Like, you're going to be running around it. Like, we have this this idea of Australia in our heads and when I came, it was nothing like that. It was very modern, very, like, progressive. Like, the food, like, some of, like, the quality of ingredients is the best I've ever experienced in my whole life. Like, the best. Like, the from the veggies to the seafood to, to the animals, like, it's just amazing. And, the like, the all the ingredients that you guys are able to get your hands on here is something that, like, I've always dreamed of. Like, it's it's like the land of milk and honey for a cook. Personally, that's the way I feel.
you've worked in a number of venues in Australia before opening Happy Field. Um, one of those was the grounds, which was pretty uh, influential since its inception. What, what was it like working with them? Man, the grounds was, it was very special for me because I just never thought, like, if you, everybody knows the grounds. So, you know, like, when you go there, you have the cafe, you have the potting shed, you have the garden, you have, like, the petting zoo, like, you have the the florist. It was just, it was just, like, this amazing business model that just worked and drew crowds every single day. You would have... So you would have queues out the front, then you would have like tour buses pulling up full of tourists, just unloading with suitcases and everything ready to come into the cafe. Like it was an amazing experience and like all the fit outs and like every month they would do like a different bump in and they would be like transforming the cafe into something different. And it was just magical. It was so special to me. Like I'll never, ever forget my time at the grounds like I have a lot of respect for Ramsey and what he's what he's done at the grounds and Jack for what he did with the coffee program and Therese for all of her like design skills it was just it was a beautiful experience for me and that's where I met Chris my business partner so it worked out proper well tell us about um, meeting Chris and the eventuality of of Happy Field like when when did the idea of it start to form and and uh, take hold Mm. So basically, I uh, I was in the cafe working, and uh, the grounds had sponsored me at this time, and Chris was in the potting shed. So we never really crossed paths. But every year, well, for for three years, they did something called Sculptures by the Sea. I'm not sure if you remember, but it was a pop-up. Yeah, it was a pop-up. And basically what Ramsey did was, he was a genius, he built like a cafe on a hill that went for like two weeks, and then we would pack everything up put the house on a trek and it was gone. So the first year I got to do it, uh, Chris was there and that's where I properly got to meet Chris and he used to pick me up in the mornings and we just, we just, we didn't really know each other too well. So we would just talk about what we like, what we don't like. We'd go to work, we'll hang out, had fun. Anyway, that was the first year I did it. Then the second year I did it, it was basically Chris was in charge of the front and I was in charge of the kitchen. So then we had more play. We could do what we want. We used to chat shit to each other. We had we built like a real proper connection. And then uh, he eventually left the grounds, and I was still there. And then because uh, I was waiting for my residency, and basically we just started talking like all the things that we like, what we don't like about cafes, what we do like about cafes. If we ever had a cafe, what we want to put on the menu. Uh, and we just started brainstorming ideas back and forth, back and forth. And then this just eventually turned into, listen, let's just, you feel strong about this. I feel strong about this. Let's do something together. And it just took off from there. What, what surprised you most about uh, running your own business? Uh, that's a good question. Mm, I really, I think, I think for me, it's, it's, it's more of if you put in the work and if you really believe in something and you're genuine about it, that some way or form or another, it's going to come back to you in the sense of you will find success. And we were fortunate enough that we really felt passionate about what we were doing and we really cared about it and we really invest in our staff and we really care about our staff and we really care about giving the customer the best experience possible. And because these things are high on our list, I feel like Happy Field has been able to thrive and do well because of it.
diners are renowned for um, faster sort of quick uh, meals and and sometimes veering into the fast food category but at, at, at the foundation of what you do is real quality producers and quality ingredients um, tell us about some of the connections that you have and some of the important uh, ingredients that you use uh, well yeah I guess for us is yeah we wanted to do something that we've believe in strongly and quality is always very something very very high on our list but we also know that we're in a cafe and things pump and you have to push out food and you got to do a good job but uh i just always want to make sure that everything we do is like we can put the best product on the plate for example the pancakes everybody knows about our pancakes and the recipe is very good but also like we get maple syrup straight from quebec like i have a, a lady I tell her what I want. Basically, they ship it from Quebec. They send it to Perth. From Perth, they come straight to Happy Field. And so we use golden maple syrup. So a lot of people are used to like the darker, like amber kind of maple syrup, whereas we use golden. So golden is essentially first tap. So as soon as you tap the tree, you pour the sap out, and then the first boil is what you get. And that's what we use because for me, it's the the best representation of the maple flavor anything above golden you get to be it's more sugary it's more uh darker it's more robust and it's you lose that actual maple flavor and i think the customers really enjoy it because all the time they say oh i've never had syrup that tastes like this and i'm just like well this is exactly what maple syrup should taste like because this is what it is and then also like we use pepper say a butter and Pepper say is like a no-brainer for me because everybody knows what they do and how hard they work and the amount of time and quality they put into the butter. And once you like you combine that syrup with Pepper say butter with the pancakes recipe, it's just like it's an explosion. It literally is an explosion. You mentioned you came from a, a tough upbringing. Take us back to that that time and and what it was like. Some of the challenges that you had and and how food changed everything for you. Uh, well, yeah, for me, it's like, so basically when I was younger, uh, we just grew up low income. And, uh, so everybody, everybody I knew was poor, basically, like there's nobody in my family that ever owned a business or ever even thought about opening a business. And, uh, when you grow up in this kind of area, it gets to be like pretty negative in the sense where you never, ever think that you could be something big or you can never ever you never think that you could do something different from what you always see and basically what you see is people doing crime like people getting into drugs or people selling drugs or you know or people just have you have to have a hustle so i grew up with this mentality of the only way i can be successful in life is i have to find a hustle and i have to do that i get rich okay so this is how this is basically how i grew up and uh so just going through life going through life believing that this is what it was going to be but uh it's funny because i always felt there was always like this small voice in my head that said like you can you can be better like you don't have to settle you don't have to settle and like all my life i always heard that it's funny like for some reason i always always heard that you settle and try and be like everybody else or never let anybody count you out anyway so basically, I grew up like this, and uh, I never really wanted to be a chef. It wasn't something that I thought I was going to do. I remember that I uh, I took hospitality in high school, 
which was a course basically where you cook cafeteria food. And that was my first real introduction into cooking food for people. And uh, I just really liked the course because basically I would get all the food. I have access to all the food. So my friends would come to the back door. I would give them hamburgers. You know what I mean? I'll cook them fries, slide them fries out the side. They'll come. I'll be giving everybody free food. So everybody was, everybody really wanted to fuck with me because they knew like, if I go there, Jesse will get me this, Jesse will get me that. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. So I did that course for like three years. And by doing it, I just really fell in love with cooking. And I remember like, I used to, my favorite when I was a kid was this guy named Emeril Lagasse. I'm not sure if you ever heard of him, but he's like this Cajun chef from New Orleans. And he was my favorite, like that guy was my favorite. Every night I would watch like his shows and I would like try and like recreate the meals that he cooked. And I was like, man, like this chef and thing is cool. Cause this guy was cool. Like he had like swagger to him and the way like he talked in the, about food and he engaged with people. And I was like, man, like I want to be like this guy. And then, uh, so basically I thought maybe I could do it, but I wasn't too sure. I still wasn't too sure. And I remember it was like, I graduated from school. I needed to do something. And uh, I told my mom I wanted to be a real estate agent, okay? Wow. Yeah, it was random. It was it was so random. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I'm about to graduate. I say, Mom, like, I want to be a real estate agent, so I'm not going to go to college, and I don't want to do any of this stuff. I'm just going to be a real estate agent. And she absolutely lost it on me. And she cussed me, like, she, uh, she said some things, and she was very angry. And I was like, whoa. Okay. And then she goes, what about cooking? Like, I thought you really like cooking. Like, don't you want to do cooking? And I was like, ah, oh, maybe, but like, how are we going to go to school? Like, I know. So at this time, like backtracking, my father left when I was 14 years old. Okay. So once my father left, like my whole life changed. It was basically, I became the man of the house. I had to take care of my mom. I had to look out for my younger brother who was living with us at the time. And things got really hard. Okay. So I never, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be a real estate agent, because I figured if I be a real estate agent, I'll be rich. Like, I'll get all this money from commission and all this kind of stuff. And being a chef, like, you're not going to make money. Like, you're going to be broke. You know what I mean? So I was just like, that's not going to work. Anyway, she eventually convinced me. She said, listen, if I can get enough money together for you, and will you go to cooking school? And I go, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I go, I go, sure, like, I guess so. And then, so then basically it was, it was, it was funny cause it was like right down to the wire. Like basically school was starting on like a Tuesday and my mom got me registered that Monday. And then I started work, I started school on that Tuesday. And it's funny cause I was so late that everybody had uniforms and um, knives and all this stuff. I had nothing. I rocked up to class in like a t-shirt. It said like crispy and clean. It was like the Krispy Kreme logo. But instead of Krispy Kreme, it said crispy and clean. It was so funny. <laughs> I walked into this classroom. Everybody's wearing chef outfits and chef hats. And you just got this kid that's walking in with a t-shirt that says crispy and clean, no knives, no nothing. It was hilarious. Now that I think about it is that I forgot this story, but it's actually very funny. But yeah, I went to culinary school. It was called Humber College, which was like at the time, I guess it was the best culinary school in Toronto. And uh, from there, I really started to believe that I could have a career in cooking. I really, really enjoyed it. Well, your mom thought you were joking when you said that you were going to move to Australia. What does the What does the family think now about you having your own business here? Uh, they're very, they're very happy for me. They're very, 
They're very happy. But it's it's an interesting dynamic, and I talk about this sometimes to my partner, Chris, is because the fact that basically, like, my mom has never, she's never been to Australia. She was going to come in January, uh, sorry, not January. She's going to come last February, but with all this COVID stuff, like, she couldn't come. So it's like, I can tell them stories. I could say, like, mom, like, I'm doing this, and this is what's happening. But since they haven't actually stepped foot in the venue or seen it, they can't really 100% connect with it, if that makes sense. But uh, but for the most part, like, they're still, they're all very proud. Like, my bro- my older brother is very proud. Like, my nieces and nephews say, like, oh, like, my uncle, like, he's got his own business. And, like, it's funny, my brother was telling me, like, my nephew wants to do, like, this school paper on me. Like, so he's, like, he's eight years old, but he wants to do, like, a school paper to tell them, like, how their their uncle, like, owns like a cafe in Australia and he's doing good and stuff. So they're all, for the most part, they're all very proud. I just hope one day they could come and actually enjoy it with me. Well, you have your own vision in bricks and mortar now. What what do you love about what you do there at Happy Field? Uh, I think I love everything because it just, it feels, for me, it feels like a dream come true in the sense where now I know that like, if I ever, ever want to do something, I know I can do it. Like, I just stepped through the doors of a happy field and I'm like, this all used to be in my brain and Chris's brain and it all used to be on a piece of paper. And now it's an actual physical building. And I love that about it so much. And I love our staff. I feel like we have the best staff in the whole entire world. And every day, to be honest, every day is just fun and happy field. Like we just, we connect, we have fun, we enjoy, we smile, we laugh. Sometimes it gets hectic and we might not always see eye to eye, but at the end of the day, like we'll just like jump on one of our many arcade games and we'll just forget about everything. And it's just, it's, it's really something special. I really like it. I enjoy it a lot. Now that you've built a a life here in Australia and you have this um, amazingly successful um, diner slash cafe in Haberfield, what, what's your plans for the next couple of years? What are you looking forward to? Uh, well, hmm, it's interesting. Well, basically, uh, me and Chris believe that um, Happy Field is amazing and we love it, but we'd like to have another venue. So uh, I think right now, like immediate, like my immediate plans is because basically, me and Chris both work full time in the business, and uh, so we want to try and figure out a proper balance where. He could have somebody that covers him on the floor and I could have somebody that covers me on the kitchen. So instead of always working in the business, we can work on the business and that will actually allow us to just get out more ideas and to do more things. Cause like we still have an upper, like we still have the upstairs of the venue that we haven't even done anything with yet. So the plan is to open the upstairs, get some more seating in there and, uh, just do some more things in the venue and then eventually we have this idea concept for something else. So eventually we could try and roll this out as well. But like, I really love Australia. I love this country. I love the people. And yeah, so I would love to have another venue, maybe two more venues, potentially, potentially have a house sometime and just settle down and and enjoy my life. Well, uh, Jesse, congratulations on what you've created. And uh, and it sounds like there's some exciting things in the pipeline as well. We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to share your story. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it as well. Please keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon. We will. Thank you. 
This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.